0: Amen, amen, amen. Wow. Welcome tonight, uh, once again, to uh, Discipleship Counselor Training Class. Praise God. Um, it has been uh, a couple of weeks since we have uh, been together. And um, I'll tell you what, let's pray and uh, I'll talk a little bit more uh, about that. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for those. Who are joining in live, Lord, for those who will watch this uh, archive later, Father, Lord, we thank you uh, that your word and your truth tonight are going to make the difference in our lives, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you have um, given me uh, words to speak to these, your people, Father. I thank you that you have called me to feed them, and I thank you, Lord, that you have given me bread, the bread of life and living water, Lord, tonight to uh, to cast, Father, to them, and I thank you, Lord, that they're going to. Uh, receive your truth and your wisdom Lord and it's going to renew our minds and transform our lives father for your glory I thank you Lord tonight that no weapon formed against me no weapon formed against any of the technology that we're utilizing or any uh, weapon formed against those that are tuning in father tonight will prosper we thank you Lord that your name will be glorified above all and father we thank you for your truth Lord that is um, making us and enabling us to live in the freedom father that um, making us free and and enabling us to live in the freedom, Lord, that you have paid such a high price for us to have. So thank you for a great time together this evening, for your word and for your truth and for your wisdom. Once again, we say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Well, praise God, we have not been together since uh, December the 9th. Uh, So this is December uh, the 30th. And um, some of you uh, maybe have heard that um, I did... Uh, contract uh, the coronavirus, and uh, but praise God, I am healed and blessed, amen, and my family is healed and blessed, and we just continue to stand on the word and are, are so, so thankful um, for just his goodness to us and, and his strength in, in my life, and so um, I'm, I am strong in the Lord and the power of his might tonight, that's some of the lasting uh, symptoms that are trying to linger, but they have to go in Jesus' name, it's, it's fatigue, and uh, a little bit, uh, you can probably hear a little bit of my voice tonight, but that's okay. Um, I'm just so excited to get back in front of this camera and get back in front of you and um, teach you some of the things that we've been learning together and continue to build on those. So, again, thank you for tuning in uh, with us. And I'm just believing, Father God, for great things uh, in your life and in my life tonight. Praise God. So, where are we? We are, um, this is class number 15 this, of course, will be the last uh, class that we enjoy together in um, 2021, 20, uh, I'm sorry, in 2020. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, New Year is uh, rapidly approaching. And um, you'll also notice the subtitle of tonight's class, What is Man, Part 3? What is Man, Part 3? Praise God. So, um, we have been uh, answering what we call the three questions. These are three very important life questions. We said that um, the, the first question uh, that we're answering is the question, what is man? Question number two, um, who am I? Let me, I tell you what, let me just put the slide up here. It makes a little, little more sense, praise God. <laughs> so three questions, why am I? But if you'll, if you'll notice, I've put that number three. Uh, then the second question, who am I? And then the, the first question, what am I? So what am I corresponds with uh, origin, who am I corresponds with identity, and why am I corresponds with our purpose. And we said that you'll never know why you are until you know who you are, and you'll never know who you are until you know what you are. And that's why uh, if you're watching this by video, this is why we have uh, this slide configured this way, um, not because we're trying to get, uh, you know, Cute with the numbers but uh, they build upon one another now a lot of times we talk about understanding our purpose this is you know such a critical part to living our best life and this is what a lot of people go after but but remain confused by because you'll never once again know why you are do you know who you are and you never know who you are until you know what you are in psalm the eighth chapter and i'll put this on the screen for us um The psalmist asked the question, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you visit him? You've made him a little lower than the angels. And we said that word means Elohim. uh, Two classes ago, I'm not going to go into an elaborate explanation. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. So again, what is man? Answering this question correctly is critically important because it provides the foundation for the next two questions, the next two life questions, who am I, why am I? I believe a failure to understand and embrace the truth concerning what you are will make it impossible to ever fully know who you are and why you are. And of course, if uh, you were with us uh, two weeks ago when we uh, had class uh, number 14, I guess it was then, you know that I'm uh, trying to rush through some review to bring us up to speed. So I believe, again, one of the devil's main strategies against us is what I call the trivialization of man. The trivialization of man. Satan has tried your entire life to trivialize you, to make you feel less than, believe less than. Um, It's no coincidence that so many people on planet Earth struggle with things like self-image, self-esteem, self-worth, self-condemnation. These are uh, things that are in the devil's wheelhouse. Um, He's constantly trying to diminish uh, you and diminish The opinion that you have um, of uh, yourself Uh, quickly let me put uh, Romans 12 uh, and we'll begin at verse number 3 here the Word of God says for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith for as we have many members in one body but all the members do not have the same function so, we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now, what I want you to see in that uh, particular passage is the Bible does not tell you to think poorly or to think lowly of yourself. It says to not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. And the context of that is we're each one members of the body of Christ, and as members of a body, we're dependent upon other members in order for us to fulfill our function. So in context then, to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think would be to think that you can do what God's put you on this earth to do uh, without other members of the body of Christ. And that would, would be prideful, it would be arrogant, and, and, and of course um, uh, completely out of character uh, and example, you know, the example that Jesus set for us. Um, but, again, a lot of people read this passage in Romans 12 and you'll even hear some folks say, you know, the Bible says not to think uh, highly of yourself. No, it says to not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. He's actually telling you to think highly of yourself, amen. And I think this, uh, again, is extremely important. So praise God. So let's, um, let's get back to it, um, answering this question, what is man? And um, the first thing that we're looking at here. And I I might want to go ahead and and say this now. Praise God. Let me come back on screen for a moment. Um, If if you're just tuning in uh, with us, um, it would probably be very wise for you to uh, to invest uh, some some uh, some time into class 13 and 14 um, before class 15 because. We're making some statements that I know in the body of Christ, at least for some, are highly controversial. And we're not just throwing these things out there without explanation. These are things that we uh, have literally taken hours uh, to discuss and explain and look at from the Word of God. So um, a lot of what you're hearing right now is review from classes uh, that we've you know, already covered these subjects uh, in depth and detail and um, so, again, you'd be led by the Spirit, but uh, I just want to make that clear, especially with us you know, have, having missed the you know, last two weeks, and it's been a little while since we've been together. Um, but so, again, with that said, we're answering this question, what is man? And the first thing that we've looked at from the Scripture is that man is a God-class being. That man is a God-class being. And we get this from many places in the Bible, but let's begin in Genesis 1 and 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now, the important thing to understand about this verse is when God said, and remember, God said this. It's not like, I said this, or that I even insisted upon this. Um, But this was something that God determined within Himself. And so notice what God said. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So image and likeness simply means God created you and me to not only look the way He looks, but He created us to function the way He functions. This is why we say, among other reasons, that mankind uh, is a God-class being. Now, I will, I will repeat something that we have said in previous classes, okay? Um, <clears throat> if we go back to the three questions, um, if you just try to understand your purpose without understanding your identity, um, you'll never reach high enough um, because you've got to fully understand or at least have a really good biblical foundation in place in your life of who you are uh, in order to fully embrace uh, your your purpose here on on this planet and in Father's kingdom. But again, um, if you don't understand what the Bible says about what you are, then you'll always sell yourself short when it comes to who you are. So when we talk about answering this question, this fundamental question, uh, baseline, uh, you know, truth that we need for, for our lives and understanding, um, we need to brace ourselves for, for what the Bible uh, actually has to say about these things. Now, we began in, in these, earlier in these classes talking a little bit about the importance of reconciliation with God and what that looks like. We're going to circle back around to that in the days ahead. But one of the things we said is that the best advice I could ever give anyone is agree with God and agree with Him quickly. And it's pointless for you and me to argue with God when it comes to what He had in mind when He created us. Um, a lot of times the verse is used in, in, in different applications. But remember, the Bible says that the clay uh, has no right to say to the potter, why have you made me like this? And a lot of times we hear that used in the context again of, of, of some self-condemnation, woe is me, poor pitiful me kind of, of a sermon. Um, but the reality of it is God created you in His image and in His likeness. He did so um, for a purpose. And He said within Himself, He uh, decided this. And the most important thing that you and I can do is to believe what His Word says about these things, uh, humble ourselves and submit ourselves to what He says about these things, and allow Him to do the work inside of us that needs to be done, and and that I believe, quite frankly, only the truth about what we are can do and can accomplish um, in our lives. So so many of the problems that we deal with uh, in our lives are rooted in this failure to understand why we are who we are and what we are. We talk about, you know, coming into agreement with, coming into alignment with God. Uh, it can be overwhelming sometimes when you, when you think about all the different ways that we think, uh, you know, different from, from the way God thinks. But if, if we'll go to these very basic and, and fundamental life questions and, and begin with, you know, bringing ourselves into alignment with God and His Word uh, on these basics, Uh, you'll be amazed at how many of the other peripheral things in our lives uh, will also be brought into alignment um, as uh, we do that. Now, let me put another verse up on the screen, Genesis 2, um, 18, 19, and uh, and then we'll look at 20 also. It says, And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed Every beast of the field, every bird of the air brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever called each living creature, that was its name. And Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. Now this verse obviously is talking about when Eve was, was created. But if you recall, Eve was created from Adam. It's because there was no other created thing uh, uh, comparable on the same level that could look eye to eye um, with, with Adam. Uh, remember, again, the enemy wants to trivialize us, and, and this is why so many people on this planet believe that, that mankind is nothing more than just a higher form of, of animal. And, and, of course, we know that that is, uh, is absolutely incorrect if we go Uh, with what our creator said. Our creator uh, created us in his image and likeness. That's why there was nothing else on this planet uh, comparable to Adam or or a fitting mate uh, for Adam and therefore had to be created from Adam. Now, I know that a lot of this is is review with some new stuff sprinkled in. Um, This brings us then to where we left off on our last class and so it's not a trick question, but it is, I think, a very important question for us uh, to consider. Which came first, man or the purpose for man? Which came first, you or your purpose? And uh, the answer from the Word of God is uh, your purpose. It's more than just logic, it's biblical. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, speaking again of God, it says, "...who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works," But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now, I know that our our primary focus, at least during this part of our study, is to answer this question: what is man? The one that corresponds with our origin. Because again, you'll never know who you are, do you know what you are, you'll never know why you are, do you know who you are. Um, and so I know that you know, we're talking about purpose. Again, this has to do with that third and final question. Uh, why am I? What, what is my uh, purpose? But we bring it up now because I'm trying to show you how these things um, relate to one another. And so what you are uh, was determined by God because before He ever created you, he had a purpose in mind for you. And when I say for you, I mean for you as an individual, but then also for humankind uh, collectively. Father God sees you both as an individual and He sees you as a part of the collected whole. And so there are things that are we all have in common as, as human beings as far as uh, our purpose and, and, and what Father God created uh, each of us for. But then there are things that are very unique to you as an individual. This is the the vastness of God and the diversity uh, of the men and women that that He has created. And so when we say that, you know, which came first, you or your purpose, clearly according to the Word of God, it was um, your purpose. And so I believe that you were given a purpose uh, before time began, based on what the Word says. And so Father God created you in light of that purpose. So, Again, we say it's biblical and that, that carries the most weight for me always always has, always will be. In other words, if the Bible says it, then the Bible says it. But we can also, I think, look at just simple logic here. Um, it would have been uh, very silly for God to have had a purpose in mind for us and then create us inferior to that purpose. In other words, that, that He wanted us to fulfill a certain purpose um, but uh, created us uh, in, in such a way as to never be able to live up to uh, that, that purpose. That, that would, would make no sense at all. So we see that you were given purpose and grace in Christ Jesus before time began, uh, before God ever created you as an individual, before he ever created us as a human race. Um, remember, you're, you're much d- different than any other thing God ever created, including angels. Um, he created you uh, with a purpose in mind. So this is a, just adds more emphasis to, to this point that we're making, you know, that what you are uh, supports um, who and, uh, and why uh, you are. So um, let me say that a, a couple of different ways, okay? What you are and who you are serve to support and make possible why you are. Now, this is one of my favorite quotes. This is something the Lord gave me uh, some time ago. Um, Your number one purpose and highest calling in life is fellowship with God. All other purposes are not only secondary to this purpose, they are dependent upon it. Okay, one more time. Your number one purpose and highest calling in life is fellowship with God. So I know, again, just to remind you, we're We're trying to focus primarily on what is uh, man, what am I, okay? But I'm trying to make that point by helping you see that your father had a purpose for you in mind before he created you and created you in light of that purpose. And the number one purpose for which you and I were created is to be able to fellowship with God, uh, to be able to have relationship with him, uh, to literally, and we'll look at this in the scriptures to literally become one with Him. Amen. And so He created us, made us what we are, made us who we are, so that ultimately that kind of relationship and fellowship uh, with Him would be possible. So are there other purposes for which we were created? Yes, okay. Um, But those purposes are secondary to the primary purpose, fellowship with God, but also we see that fellowship with God is so important that, that not only are the other purposes for which we were created second to that purpose, they're dependent upon it. What does that mean? That means you can never fulfill the purpose for which you were created uh, apart from uh, having fellowship with God. Uh, you're a gifted person. Father God gave you gifts and abilities and talents. Um, and, and, you know, those talents are as varied as the, as the people who are listening to this broadcast right now. Um, but you'll never be able to fulfill, ultimately fulfill the giftings, the, the callings, the abilities, the talents uh, that, that you possess um, if, if you separate yourself from your Creator. Um, we said, I think in the very first class, that um, discipleship is important because um, it has to do with this, you know, our daily walk with God. And we said that all effective ministry, all effective ministry proceeds forth from our walk with God. Paul talked about his life in, in, in those two d- different ways, um, his, his course, his walk with God, and, and the ministry to which, you know, he was called and given. And, and Paul understood that uh, all effective ministry was dependent upon his daily walk with God, or we could say it another way, all effective ministry uh, is dependent upon your fellowship with God. Um, If ministry involves making him known, then uh, knowing him obviously uh, is, is very important. How can you make him known if you don't know him? And so the more you know him and the closer you walk with him, the more effective you're going to be in all the other purposes for which you were created. So one more time, I know I may be belaboring this point. Your number one purpose, come on now, your number one purpose. I'm talking about why you were created. The number one reason for which you were created and your highest calling in life is fellowship with God. Um, I I have often said of raising my children, and the Lord spoke to me uh, many years ago when my children were very young, that I would never have a more important assignment Uh, in life than uh, than raising my two children. And, and, you know, that was when I realized it's very easy for me to put, you know, ministry, professional ministry, pastoring, teaching, preaching, all those things that are very life-giving, very, uh, you know, I'm very passionate about those things, enjoy doing those things. But um, I should not, I should never make those things a priority over uh, raising my children. And so, if you just take that assignment, uh, for those of us who are parents, um, and, and we consider how important raising our children uh, you know, actually is, um, think about then um, how much better you can, uh, how much better parenting job you can do um, if you fellowship with God. In other words, you walk closely with the Lord, um, He will help you be the parent that your children Uh, you know so desperately need so your number one purpose highest calling in life is fellowship with God all other purposes are not only secondary to that purpose but they are um, dependent upon it okay so if if God created you uh, any less than in his own image and likeness um, his purpose for fellowship communion and oneness then um, would not be possible I'm not going to go into it in great detail but in our last class together I talked a little bit about um, my Yorkshire Terrier and uh, we call him Colonel praise God and um, we've had him now I guess for more than a decade and uh, and he is a, a, an important part of our family um, and I do have a relationship with him on some level but because we are not um, uh, uh, compatible and comparable Um, then the compatibility is limited by the lack of comparability. So this, just a couple of different ways of saying it that we haven't said it yet, okay? And I'm going to put this up on the screen. There cannot be compatibility without comparability. There cannot be compatibility without, um, there cannot be a compatibility, I I blew it, didn't I? (laughs) All right, it should say without comparability. Praise God. So that's a typo. Uh, No wonder I was confused by my own writing there, okay? Um, What am I trying to tell you? Um, Compatibility is dependent upon uh, comparability. And so the more comparable two things are, the more compatible um, they can be uh, ultimately with um, one another. So, Father God, chose to create you and so this you know again i'm trying to help you see you know when we say that what is man and the first thing we come out of the gates man's a god class being and and i know some folks almost gasp at that and think it's you know being blasphemous or or what have you Um, i'm trying to help you see why it's important for us to embrace this and to understand this and so father god chose to create you comparable to him so you could be compatible with him amen so, comparable to Him, so you could be compatible with Him. Comparable to Him, so you could be compatible with Him. Comparable to Him, so you could be compatible with Him, right? So, you were created by God. Let's, let's talk about just a, f- a few more things. And, and these are things that, again, we will circle back around to um, at a later date. But I'm just talking about, um, you know, the purpose, it's some glimpse into the purpose That you know what God had in mind, uh, the purposes that He had in mind for us to fulfill, uh, and 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 so you know that being a factor in uh, Him creating us the way that He created us. So let's go through a couple of these. All right, how about this? This is again purpose, but but we're looking at purpose to understand origin. You were created by God to bear His image in this created realm. You were created by God to bear His image in this created realm. This is why Father God said no graven images. He did not want uh, to be represented in statues of wood or iron or stone because He's not a wooden or an iron or, or a stone God. He is a living, breathing God, and He does not desire for His image to be bore in something inanimate. He wants His image to be born in uh, something that is living and breathing. And He created you in His image and in His likeness so that you could bear His image in this created realm so that you could literally be a reflection of Him. How about this? You were created by God to rule and reign over all the works of His hands. You were created by God to rule and reign over all the works of His hands. This is... This is a, 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 a very high calling. This is a, a, a very high purpose. And uh, again, this, since God had this purpose in mind for you and me, he created us with the ability um, to fulfill that. I like this one here. You were created by God to know what he knows, to see what he sees, and to feel what he feels. Wow. Wow. You were created by god to know what he knows to see what he sees and to feel what he feels the bible talks about the same joy that is in jesus being in you the same peace that's in the heart of god tonight um, you being able to have that same kind of peace the peace of god that passes all understanding in your heart and in your life this means what god made you Uh, involves the ability, the circuitry, if you will, the hardwiring, if you will, um, to, to know what He knows, to see what He sees, to feel what He feels. You were created by God to have close, intimate fellowship and union with Him, to love Him and be loved by Him, to converse with Him, to talk with Him, to share your life with Him, and for Him to share His life with you You were created by God to be one with Him. All of these things, again, go to that third and final question, why am I? What is my purpose? And and again, I bring these purposes up now because these were the things that God had in mind when He decided to make you and me what He decided to make us, a God-class being. Praise God. Now, God is a relational God and and I want to spend some time tonight um, d- developing this uh, and and I know that <clears throat> we're we're we've mentioned this I guess two or three times already uh, we're, we're we're answering the question of what is man but to give you this glimpse into who God is and and what it was that he had in mind for you and me when he created us, to better help us understand the idea of 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 being a God class being, being uh, created in the image and likeness of God, um, comparable to him, so that we could be compatible with him. And so, when we talk about God, and you know, there's things here that. You'll never understand unless you understand them by faith. And the Holy Spirit is going to help us tonight. But when we talk about God, God is a relational God. The Holy Trinity, Father God, um, uh, Jesus, God's Son, and then God the Holy Spirit. Um, The Holy Trinity is an eternal community. And you were created by God excuse me, in the image and likeness of God to be brought into this holy community. One more time, you were created by God in the image and likeness of God to be brought into this holy community. Now, amen. So do you see why we're not pets and we're not just fans and... We follow in the example set by our elder brother Jesus, um, and we do serve God, but we are not slaves. The Bible says, Jesus said it in John the 8th chapter, that a slave does not abide in the Father's house, but a a son abides in the Father's house forever. That we are the offspring of God, that we are the sons and daughters of God, and that we are members of His family. Amen. We are members of his family. Um, We are welcome into the throne room of God. Ephesians 2 says that we are seated together with Jesus in the heavenly places. Amen. I'm trying to help you see, praise God. You you may have never considered these things. Um, Years and years ago, my brother just made a simple statement. I think he was singing a special, uh, it was a church that we were attending and they ask him maybe to sing and play his trumpet during the offertory or something like that. And before he sang, he just simply made just a a casual comment um, that that we are that we are the children of God, that we're the sons and daughters of God. And um, and there was a particular family in the church that just became so they went to the pastor about it. How could he say such a thing that is so wrong? You know, and and again, it's 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 very clear that this is who we are. This is very clear. Uh, that this was the purpose for for which God created us. He created us to be His sons and daughters. He created us because He wanted us to be a part of His family. He didn't just create you because He was looking for a servant or a slave uh, being um, to do His bidding. Um, He created you so that He could bring you into um, the eternal community that is the Godhead. Now, with that said, let's, let's break down um, some of these things tonight, okay? Uh, community, uh, simply defined, uh, is it's a group of people existing together. So, when we say that God is a relational God and that the Holy Trinity is an eternal community, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they have always existed Um, Together and if we drill a little deeper down into this concept of community um, What we see is 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 that a community is a group of people that share? uh, uh, Life they share goals they share attitudes But here's the key thing they work together for one another's mutual interests and benefit Okay now listen don't I know this is getting a little tedious tonight we're going somewhere very very important okay um and i want you to go there with me all right so so bring yourself to attention bring your heart to attention and and let let's not zone out on this okay these are things the devil's tried your whole life to prevent you from ever knowing or understanding and i'm here to tell you tonight i'm here to tell you what the word says i'm here to tell you the truth that'll make a tremendous uh difference and impact uh in 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 your life okay so when we talk about the Holy Trinity, once again, as an eternal community, all right. Uh, this et- remember eternal means without beginning and without ending. They've always been and they always will be, okay. But they exist for one another's mutual interests and benefit, okay. This is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So there's another word that's. That's we've already used it a time or two tonight, and it's connected with community, and that's this word communion. Now, we will, uh, as is our norm uh, here at Heritage, uh, the first Sunday of every month, the first Sunday morning of every month, we, we, as a family of faith, take communion together. And so a lot of times when we say communion, people think about the wafer and the juice, okay? The wafer and the juice, uh, are symbolic of, of something much much greater, okay? And so communion simply defined is an act or an instance of sharing. An act or an instance of sharing. And of course, we know that Jesus shared himself with us, his body and his life's blood with us and for us, gave it for us so that we could come together and be Uh, the body of Christ. His body was broken so that we could be brought into the body of Christ. So uh, when we talk about community, uh, a group of people, two or more, in the the case of the Holy Trinity, it's three, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They exist together, they work together, and the idea is they support one another, uh, the mutual interest and benefit. So a com, in order for a community uh, to be healthy, there has to be communion within the community. In other words, the, the, the stronger the, the community, uh, or, or let me say it another way, the strength of a community is based upon the individual members within that community being willing to share uh, and work together for one another's mutual interests and benefits. So this is, Uh, one of the key ways that I want you to understand uh, God, and I'm going to put this up on the screen, okay? God is an eternal community existing in absolute communion. God is an eternal community existing in absolute communion, right? So what do we mean by that? We, We mean that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they exist together, supporting one another's mutual interests and benefits, And when we say absolute communion, um, we're talking about absolute selflessness, where each member of the Trinity is offering uh, himself uh, to the others for their uh, mutual interest and benefit. Now, you say, Pastor Mark, this is interesting, but what does it have to do with our subject at hand? Well, um, if this is God, and it is, This means you were created by a community for community. Amen. Remember, this God that created you in His image and in His likeness, and and even then, if you you paid attention to it in Genesis 1, it didn't say God made uh, me in... He didn't say, let us make God in my image. Let me make God in my image. He said, let us make God in our image. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In other words, he used the plural uh, pronouns here. So you were created by a community for community. You were created by an eternal community that exists in absolute communion. This, this, this is... Um, <laughs> the community created you, um, and you were created by this community um, to be a part of... Of this community amen praise God I'm talking about what you are tonight I'm talking about a being a God class being created in the image and likeness of God um, you were created in the image and likeness of this community if you'll notice I'll put it back up on the screen uh, I capitalized community there but you know showing respect for the Godhead you were created by a community God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit created you in their image and in their likeness And you were created by this community in order to be a part of the community that they have always experienced and enjoyed together. Now, this means Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist united together. They each have the same attitude of love and admiration towards one another, and they work together to accomplish the same goals and interests. This this is the Godhead. This is the God that we love and that we serve, and the God that loves us and has given uh, so much for us and done uh, so much um, for us. Praise God. Um, Let's do this. Praise God. I want to show you this in Scripture. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Praise God. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, in the beginning God created the the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. I'm going to leave this uh, screen uh, overlay uh, on what you're viewing for a moment. Okay, Because if you look carefully here, you will see all three members of the Godhead in, involved in uh, creating the world. Okay, and, and so what we see is that Father God is speaking, the Holy Spirit is hovering, and you have to look the closest to find Jesus, but we know in... The book of the Gospel of John is that Jesus is the Word made flesh, and so the Word that's being spoken here is Jesus. So you have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all working together to create um, the world. All right. Now let's go to Mark chapter one. Mark uh, chapter one. And verse number 9, Mark chapter 1 and verse uh, number 9, it says this, It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, in the Genesis passage, we saw God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit creating the world. Here in Mark chapter 1, we see once again God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all in uh, one event. And of course, it's easier maybe to see here than it was in Genesis. But we see Jesus uh, being uh, baptized in obedience to His Father. We see the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus, empowering Jesus. And we see God the Father uh, responding from heaven uh, with uh, words of uh, love and um, and affirmation. And so you'll see also that uh, the similarity here um, with the Holy Spirit, uh, the Bible says He hovered. Um, That word literally means flutter uh, in Genesis and we see Him like a dove now hovering or fluttering and uh, landing upon uh, Jesus here uh, in this uh, baptismal um, event. So there are three parties active in the creation of the world, God, God's Spirit, and God's Word. Then we see the same three parties present at Jesus' baptism. The Father, who is the voice, the Son, who is the Word, and the Spirit once again fluttering or hovering like a dove. Now, this concept of God being a Trinity, um, it's one of those things, and we've already mentioned this in previous classes, it the concept of the Trinity is a spiritual concept. And one of the ways that we try to understand spiritual concepts is you know, by using natural or, or physical things that we can relate them to. Um, Jesus was a master at this. Um, he taught us truth from heaven by telling us stories about a man who planted seeds or a woman who lost a coin, um, or a, a, a vineyard owner. All these parables that Jesus um, used to help communicate to you and me um, spiritual uh, truth and, and, and wisdom. Uh, or as I like to say, things from Jesus' world in heaven that He came to our world here on the earth um, to teach us. But then there are certain spiritual truths that because God's ways are higher than our ways and his wisdom is is higher than than man's wisdom there are certain things that are spiritual in nature that there's really no um, th- there's nothing on earth that that we can use to make the comparison or the comparable okay um, the, uh, so when it comes to, to this idea of uh, the Trinity, God's, uh, you know, the Holy Trinity. Um, the, the best example that I've been able to come up with, and still it, it, it's not perfect, is this idea of water. And you know, a lot of times when we hear water, we think of it in its liquid form. Uh, but water is actually H2O, and water H2O can be either liquid, it can be a solid, Speaking of liquid, I think I need a little sip right now. Or it can be steam or a vapor. In each of those uh, instances, um, we have uh, H2O, but it's in different, a different form, uh, ice or liquid or vapor. And if you'll notice, with each of the three different forms of H2O, we have uh, a, a, a different purpose or uh, a different way. Uh, in other words, you can use ice in a way that you can't use steam and, and liquid in a way that you can't use the others. And so they're the same thing, but they're different. Um, three forms of the same thing. Now again, I'm not saying that's a, a completely accurate picture of the Trinity, um, but it is at least something that we can comprehend in a physical sense that it helped get us a little closer to this idea of how uh, a being you know God can be three yet one uh, at, at the same time and I think it's also important to notice that God is one God but he's eternally existent in three persons so he's God in three persons and And I know that there are errors uh, that exist that that I won't spend a lot of time on, but but when we say God in three persons, um, we're not talking about three different gods working in harmonies. One God, three persons, Um, nor are we talking about one God taking on different forms at different times. Um, Because... We see clearly in the Mark passage that Jesus was being baptized, the Holy Spirit was landing on Jesus while he was standing in the water, and Father God spoke from heaven. So it's three distinct persons, um, but not three gods working together in harmony. Only one God, but he eternally exists in three persons. So, one God in three persons, but here is the, the key thing that I want to build on here. It's one God in three persons who know and love one another. One God in three persons who know and love one another. Jesus comes out of the water completing an act of obedience to his Father. The Father blesses and confirms and covers Jesus with words of love and praise. The Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus, empowering Him to do, guess what? To do what pleases His Father. You you can look a little deeper into this as well if you pay attention to Jesus in the four Gospels. Jesus said that He did not come to speak of Himself, but to speak of His Father. Jesus didn't try to draw attention to Himself. Jesus came to draw attention to the Father and to point people to His Father. And then Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit will not draw attention to Himself, but that the Holy Spirit will point people to Jesus. So notice the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, points people to Jesus, who in turn points those people to God the Father. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal Jesus to you because if He can reveal Jesus to you, He knows that Jesus will thoroughly and accurately reveal the Father to you. So the Holy Spirit didn't come on the scene, Um, you know, beating his chest and saying, I'm the Holy Spirit, I'm here, any more than Jesus did that saying, I'm Jesus, I'm here. Jesus drew attention not to himself, but to the Father. And the Holy Spirit drew attention, again, not to himself, but to Jesus. Okay, now, at this point in the class, um, these are things that other people have taught on, written uh, on this subject, spoken to this subject. And I want to um, uh, take a, a few minutes um, to uh, to share uh, some of these thoughts, some of these quotes. I may even read a paragraph or two from some different folks, a few different people here. Uh, again, um, one of the reasons that, uh, there's a, a few reasons anyway, but one of the main reasons that that I am so passionate about this part of our time together tonight is because of the difference that an understanding of these truths has made in my own life and in my own personal walk um, with the Lord. Uh, again, I don't, I don't know, you know, where all of you come from and where all of you are on this. I, I think I at least in part know you because I know me because I, th- I think that there are certain things that are common um, to the human condition uh but one of the things that i have struggled with uh in in my life is poor self-image low self-esteem uh you know feeling really unimportant (laughs) you know um feeling less than uh these are again strategies that i believe the devil uh uses against every human being that he can use them against now if, if you're one of those persons that he's never used those things against you then then uh, praise God, amen. Um, but I think if, if not all of us, um, I, I think at least most of us have dealt with uh, these areas in our lives and the insecurity that, um, that can accompany these kinds of thoughts and, 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 and these kinds of errors. Let's just call them what, what they are, okay? And so an, an understanding of these things and, and being able to, to, to see these things through my father's eyes and, and you know having this revelation uh, dawn in my spirit by the Holy Spirit uh, has been life-changing for me um, and you know I go back to something that I've already said a time or two in previous classes uh, and, and this was again something I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me because when I was really struggling with, with these answers for myself and knowing that answering these three questions uh, for me personally and then being able to teach other people and disciple other people uh, in these truths was, was such an uh, important part of my reason for existing. Um, and, and so knowing that I needed to get it right and knowing that, that um, you know, some of these answers were controversial um, this, you know, was something that I feel like the Lord, the Holy Spirit more particularly, um, re- revealed to me and it, and it was that, that I didn't choose this, I, this, this, was kind of, this is kind of the way that He showed me to communicate it to other people, um, you know, what do you say when people ask, you know, or, or when people disagree or when people uh, push back against this, you know. Um, I feel like he said, you know, remind them that, that you didn't ask for this. I, I didn't say, create me in your image and likeness, or don't create me at all. Um, are you, are you, you're just what I mean by that. No, in, in, it's, it's not that um, we had any say in this. I'm, I'm working on something right now. It's a project that I'm very, very excited about, and even during the the two weeks of, of uh, recovering and, and, uh, and overcoming, praise God, um, the Lord really, really just has deepened some things that and understanding some things in my life. And, and without going too far down this road right now, um, you know, I did nothing to be born. Um, I, I was delivered here um, by my mother, uh, conceived by my mother and my father, and um and i came to on this planet um the, the bible talks about um not being able to add one inch to your height um, because that was predetermined um, the color of my eyes um, i guess you could get those contact lenses that that would overlay the real color of your eyes but when it comes to the color of your eyes the color of my hair you know all of these things i didn't i didn't ask for this I didn't ask to be almost six foot five i didn't i didn't you know none of these things um the size of my foot the shape of my fingernails you know all all of these things um were things that were determined by the seed um from which i i was i was born um and 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 when it comes to our new birth Um, there are things that are true about me because I was born a second time of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God that I had no say-so in. Um, Seed made me righteous. The seed from which I was born the second time made me just as right with God as Jesus Himself. And again, I had no say-so in it. I did absolutely nothing to be born physically, and I did absolutely nothing to be born a second time of the Spirit other other than using the faith that my Father God gave me and, and, and the gift of me being able to hear His gospel message and the gift of His Holy Spirit enabling me. Um, so I take zero credit for it whatsoever. Obviously, I made the choice, but, but He enabled me to make that choice. He gave me the faith to choose Him with. Um, he gave me the, 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 the Word of God that activated that faith and the Holy Spirit to draw me to Himself. Amen. So I did nothing to be born physically. And I did nothing to be born spiritually other than call upon Him. And everything that's true about me because of my physical birth is true about me because it was determined by the seed from which I was born. And everything that's true about me because of my spiritual birth is true about me because of the seed from which I was born the second time. And so it's not... So look, while I'm here, it's, the point I'm trying to make, I guess, for instance, the Bible says that we've been made righteous. We've been made free. Um, we've been seated together with Jesus in heavenly places. Can you imagine me or you or anybody for that matter uh, going before God the Father and saying, look, um, unless you make me one with yourself, unless you give me your spirit, unless you give me the same right standing with Jesus and the same inheritance as Jesus, then don't bother saving me. Matter of fact, don't even bother creating me unless you're going to create me in your image and in your likeness. Again, I had no say-so in any of these things. These were things that Father God decided. These were things that He longed for. My friend, He's the one who wants you. He didn't create you because He couldn't exist without you. He created you because He wanted you. He loved you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. He created you because He wanted you to be a part of His eternal community. And He created you in His image and in His likeness as a God-class being so that should you choose to be a part of His eternal community, you would be compatible with Him. Amen. What is man? Man is a God-class being. There's more to this than some silly pet doctrine. There's more to this than than just some... Bible argument, there's more, please feel me tonight, please hear what I'm, I'm trying to say to you tonight, this, I'm not carrying any denomination's doctrinal water bucket, I'm, I'm not here because, you know, somebody in headquarters, uh, uh, you know, some physical headquarters told me to teach these things, the king has told me to teach you these things and to, and to, and to share these things and these truths. With you, because these things were in His heart before Adam ever breathed oxygen in this atmosphere, before the first human being ever ever was created in image and likeness of God, these things were in the heart of the Godhead—God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit—for you and for me. Praise God, praise God. So, again, people say, "Man, that, that's that's so prideful." No, 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 no. See. If you think this is prideful, you you're you're not doing it right. Um, this is to submit to this, to embrace this, to pick up this ball of truth and run with it. It's the most humbling thing. It's the, it's the, I mean, it's 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 where you empty yourself of yourself and you embrace who he says you are, what he says you are and why He says He created you. So, let's go back to Jesus comes out of the water um, completing an act of obedience to His Father. The Father, I mean, He breaks the silence. People who witnessed this heard the audible voice of God. When... um, when Jesus did what He did. And then they saw the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus. And we know that the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to do everything that He did from that point forward um, as a a human being on this planet empowered by the Spirit of God to go forth and and minister and obey and do what His Father created Him to do. I'm going to read some quotes from... To you tonight from Tim- Timothy Keller. Um, and this is one of the things that he has to say about this in relationship to um, this uh, account of Jesus uh, and his baptism and the Father uh, doing what he did and, and, and this experience. He says that this is what's been happening in the interior life of the Trinity from all eternity. Mark, and speaking of the gospel of Mark, is giving us a glimpse into the very heart of reality, the meaning of life, the essence of the universe. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I want to, um, I've got uh, some notes here, and uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to share some of this um, with you tonight. Um, Uh, Many of you are familiar with C.S. Lewis, and um, C.S. Lewis had a lot to say on uh, this particular subject, and um, so I want to read a little bit tonight to you uh, from him uh, on this, all right? Uh, Christians believe that the living, dynamic activity of love has been going on in God forever and has created everything else. And that, by the way, is perhaps the most important difference between Christianity and all other religions. That in Christianity, God is not a static thing. Not even a purpose, but a dynamic, pulsating activity. A life. Almost a kind of drama. Almost, if you will not think me, irreverent a kind of dance. And now, what does it all matter? It matters more than anything else in the world. The whole dance or drama or pattern of this three-personal life is to be played out in each one of us. Or putting it the other way around, each one of us has got to enter that pattern, take his place in that dance. There is no other way to the happiness for which we were made. Think about what he's saying there. Now, let me, and <clears throat> some of the comments that I'm going to read uh, will we'll, we'll reference this, but I want to I plant this thought in your mind before I go any further. The glimpse of the Godhead that we receive at Jesus' baptism is not just a um, what? What's the word I'm looking for here? In other words, th- this is a true characterization of the what did um, uh, C.S. Lewis say? The three personal life, and in, in, in other words, this kind of affection being expressed, this kind of. Uh, uh, preferring one another that's, that's being expressed. Jesus obeying the Father, the Holy Spirit empowering Jesus, um, the Father blessing and confirming Jesus' act of obedience. Okay, um, th- This is a, a beautiful uh, depiction of, of who God is and, and, and what... When I say God, I mean the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, this this glimpse into uh, the way they function, the way they operate. And and what is so important about understanding this is that this is the God who created you and me. Remember, in their image, in their likeness. In other words, he's saying that this is a glimpse into the God who created you and me, but it's also a glimpse into why he created us the way he created us, what we are, but it's also a glimpse into how we can experience um, life as God intended us uh, to experience it. All right, Um, next passage I want to read to you is from uh, a theologian, Cornelius Plantinga, okay? And he notes the Bible says the Father, the Son, and the Spirit glorify one another. The persons within God exalt each other, commune with each other, and defer to one another. Each divine person harbors the others at the center of his being. In constant movement of overture and acceptance, each person envelops and encircles the others. God's interior life, therefore, overflows with regard for others. All right, so let me just kind of give you a little glimpse into this, all right? Um, Cornelius Plantinga uh, influenced C.S. Lewis, who in turn influenced Timothy Keller, and then all three of these folks um, have uh, had influence on, on me uh, and my understanding of these things. And so it's from what Plantinga said, that c.s lewis came up with this this concept or this idea of the godhead being this what he calls drama if you not think me irreverent a a a dance Um, in the sense that uh, god the father god the son and god the holy spirit each one so let's just use god the son for an example he would hold god the father and god the spirit dear to his heart um, and would be in constant movement of overture and acceptance um, enveloping and encircling the others. Um, so God's interior life therefore overflows with regard for others. Let me, can I, simp- I want to simplify that for you for just a moment, okay? God is others-minded. God is others-minded. Now, th- this is really important because we live in a fallen world, and God's enemy, Satan, is the God, lowercase g-o-d according to the Bible, of this world. And many people, the Bible says, the whole world is, it has, has, you know, is being influenced by the deception of God's enemy. And, and so, among other things, what we see is that we, we live in a world where people are, are more focused on themselves. They're not, people, for the most part, are not others-minded. They're, they're self-centered. They're self-focused. They're more interested in, in, you know, me, myself, and I. What's in it for me? Um, what can I get out of this? Is this worth my time? If I... If I do this for you, what are you going to do for me? You owe me one, right? And we just go on and on and on. It's it's become so commonplace that we really have to pause and think for just a moment. There is not, and this may be a simple way of saying it, there's not a selfish bone uh, in any member uh, of the Trinity. Um, There's not a selfish molecule uh, in in any one of them. God and the individual persons of God are others-minded. They're not focused on themselves. They're not interested in what they can get for themselves. They're interested in what they can give to and what they can do for someone else. Now, let me go back to uh, a quote, uh, this time from Timothy Keller. He says, The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are each centering on the others, adoring and serving them. And because the Father, Son, and Spirit are giving glorifying love to one another, God is infinitely, profoundly happy. Think about this. If you find somebody you adore, someone for whom you would do anything, and you discover that this person feels the same way about you, does that feel good? Timothy Keller says, It's sublime. That's what God has been enjoying for all eternity. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are pouring love and joy and adoration into the other, each one serving the other. They are infinitely seeking one another's glory, and so God is infinitely happy. And if it's true that this world has been created by this triune God, then ultimate reality is, as C.S. Lewis in Cornelius Plantinga derived, it ultimately is a dance, okay? Now, seeking one another's glory. Man, look at how Jesus played this out. And, and, and you know, he found himself surrounded by so many uh, religious leaders. And, and, and it, clearly they said that they, that they, you know, were seeking their own glory, and Jesus said, He clearly said, He said, I'm not here to I'm not seeking my glory. I'm here to glorify my Father, right? And and you know, there's so many ways that we could apply this to our own life. But, you know, what I've learned is that if, if I'll if I'll quit worrying about making myself successful and invest my time and talent and treasure into helping other people succeed, this is where I find excuse me, the greatest contentment, the greatest satisfaction in life. Now, do you see then why selfishness and self-centeredness is such a problem in our world today? Because it's the opposite of of how God created all of these things um, to function. Um, Lewis calls the Trinity a dance, Because they each center upon, and he uses the expression, they orbit around the others. Okay? Anybody ever said to you, maybe when you were younger, the world doesn't revolve around you? Okay? Well, see, again, we're constantly, uh, because of our flesh and because of this fallen world in which we live, we're not careful. We're constantly trying to put ourselves at the middle of everything so that we can get what we want, and not just get what we want, but get it. First, get it before anybody else. Get to the front of the line and, and make sure we have the, the not just what we want, but our pick of, of what we want. And so selfishness takes you out of the plan and, and, the, and the reality that, that God exists in and puts you in a counterproductive opposing reality. Selfishness puts you at the center and demands that everything revolve or orbit around you God on the other hand is a dance because they each center upon and orbit around the others now in one of Timothy Keller's books and I need to write that down so I can mention it for those who might be interested in it I don't recall right now but in one of his books he takes that and, and it was so simple to me but it, it it just I think really helped drive this home he, he says, imagine 10 people on a stage and each one demanding the others dance around them. So we just came through uh, Christmas season, and I'm, I've never been. I'm really not into this sort of thing. But um, I saw an advertisement for the Nutcracker, um, a ballet, a Christmas ballet. And obviously, in, you know, we talk about ballet and ballerinas. Um, What makes it so beautiful is that they dance around one another. So imagine for a moment ten ballerinas on a stage and nobody dancing because each one insisted that the other nine dance around them, okay? And so this is how so many people are, are living their lives today and they're wondering why they're miserable, they're wondering why they're depressed, they're wondering, you know, why they can't find any satisfaction and contentment and are so angry and frustrated, all right? So, the Trinity, uh, this is another quote from, a couple more quotes from Timothy Keller. The Trinity is utterly different. Instead of self-centeredness, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are characterized in their very essence by mutually self-giving love. No person in the Trinity insists that the others revolve around Him, Rather, each of them voluntarily circles and orbits around the others. If this is ultimate reality, if this is what the God who made the universe is like, then this truth bristles and explodes with life-shaping, glorious implications for us. If this world was made by a triune God, relationships of love are what life is really all about. Come on now. That, I think we can relate to that. Does that not strike a chord uh, somewhere in your heart, right? One more time, if this world was made by a triune God, relationships of love are what life is really all about. Now, C.S. Lewis points out that the only way it is possible for God to be love is for God to be more than one person, for love can only exist in a relationship. Timothy Keller expands upon that. But if from all eternity, without end and without beginning, ultimate reality is a community of persons knowing and loving one another, then ultimate reality is about love relationships. Some would say, listen to this please, and we'll get on here to something else in just a minute, but let's, let's finish this part up right here, okay? Some would say, well, he created the world so he can have beings who give him worshipful love, and that would give him joy. See, this is is our limited understanding of God creating us. That He created us so that we would give Him worshipful love. Okay? Well, listen. Let me just keep reading here. But the triune God already had that, and He received love within Himself in a far purer, more powerful form than we human beings can ever give Him. So why would He create us? There's only one answer. He must have created us not to get joy, but to give it. He must have created us to invite us into the dance. To say, if you glorify Me, if you center your life upon Me, if you find Me beautiful for who I am in Myself, then you will step into the dance which is what you were made for. You were made not just to believe in me or to be spiritual in some general way, not just to pray and get a bit of inspiration when things are tough. You were made to center everything in your life on me, to think of everything in terms of your relationship to me, to serve me unconditionally. That's where you'll find your joy. That's what the dance is about. Are you in the dance or do you just believe God is out there somewhere? Are you in the dance or do you just pray to God every so often when you're in trouble? Are you in the dance or are you looking around for someone to orbit around you? If life is a divine dance, then you need more than anything else to be in it. That's what you're built for. You are made to enter into a divine dance with the Trinity. The dance was not created for you but you for it we were created by god to love like he loves if he is love how can we bear his image and do any less there are so many things we were created by god to do that would be out of reach for us if he had not made us god class beings it's important to note that god alone made the decision to create us this way It's not like I said, you either create me like you or don't create me at all. Now, let's, um, we've still got um, some time and we're going to move on to some other things here in just a moment. But let me, um, let me talk about this um, for just a moment, praise God. We see that, And I know that I've already, you know, read these things, but one one of the, as I was growing in my understanding of this, I was one of those folks that said, so God created us um, so that he could receive love from us. And I'm not saying that he doesn't want to receive love from us, but notice how our, our selfish overtones influenced that concept. In other words, that God created us for what He could get from us, that He created us um, because, you know, we would give Him joy. And as the Holy Spirit was gently but firmly helping me see this more clearly, He brought to my attention this idea of, the amount of joy that Father receives from human beings compared to the amount of grief He receives from human beings. And if you start looking at it that way, then you'll understand that um, Father did not create us as a race of people in His image and likeness because of the joy that, that we would <laughs> and the love <laughs> that we would uh, give to him because clearly he knew that we would rebel. He knew when he created us with the free will that, that many of us would choose to rebel against him and do our own thing. Um words, you can't just take the good and, and ignore the bad, right? I wish I could tell you in my own life that all I've ever done is give Father glorifying love, but that would be far from the truth. Um, let me say it another way, okay? His, his commitment to me has been much greater than my commitment to him. His sacrifice for me has been much greater than my sacrifice for him. Whatever joy he's received from my life up until this point, um, I'm not sure it's, it's greater than the amount of, of, of grief and, and uh, frustration that I could potentially um, give to him. And I'm not telling you that to beat myself up or beat you up or make you feel poorly or make me feel poor. That's not what this is about. I'm I'm trying to help you see more clearly who God is and and what He had in mind when He had you in mind. And um, we see in the Bible what begins in the garden ends at a wedding feast. And we see that Father God created this human race um, and has allowed it to play out over all these millennia um, because there's coming a day when He's going to find out who really wants Him, who really does love Him, who really is interested in uh, being a part of His eternal community with Him. And so this is why we see things in the Bible, like in Hebrews eleven six. Those who come to God must believe that He is, and must believe that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He says, "Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. You got to believe that He is, believe that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him." I had the opportunity to uh, do a wedding on Sunday, and um, <clears throat> I won't say any names. I don't think they would mind me saying their names, but. Um, This is a dear brother. He had been to the foundry once and had struggled, and and he was on his second time through the foundry, and it was in a a morning class, I don't know, six years ago now maybe. And um, he didn't tell me then, but he told me later that in that class, he said the Holy Spirit spoke to him, and he told him, he said, Um, If you want to stay sober, you'll get in that man's back pocket. And that man was me. I was up there teaching his class that day. And and, um, so our brother, he graduated the foundry, became a part of Heritage for um, many years. He's recently uh, moved to another state. The Lord opened up a job for him there. And and, um, we stay in touch and are thankful for that connection. And um, in the process of time the, the Lord blessed him with a car, blessed him with a home, blessed him with a better job and then a better job and now even a better job than, than that one and but this whole time he's he's growing and developing the things of God and one of the things that he desired was a, was a wife and um, the Lord restored his son to him and and it's just a, it's a beautiful story I mean I've had a front row seat uh, you know for now for, for many years and um, we were talking after the wedding on Sunday um, just about the different events in his life and reminiscing over those things and and just it, it came on me so strongly to encourage uh, my brother and his new bride because and listen, there are many other people I could be talking about tonight other than them, okay? But what has made such a difference in their in their lives is that they chose to give God place. Um, my brother missed very few services, very few Sunday morning classes. Um, I don't know how many times he went through these classes. He's probably somewhere watching it right now. Um, he made the things of god a priority in his life he chose to put the things of god and to seek god and to seek him diligently and to go after him and to treasure the, the wisdom of god the word of god the family of god the body of christ and now you know six years from basically having lost everything um he is so blessed and so content and and prosperous and healthy and restored Um, and and listen I I want you to want you to hear what I'm saying okay because I wish I could tell you that every person that I've had a chance to be a pastor to and and to be a friend to or a coach or a mentor to over the years has excelled this way but but they haven't and it's not because God plays favorites it it's it, it's back to are you looking for somebody to orbit around you are you are you wanting a relationship with god on your terms you see that's that's where so many people are um, <clears throat> they want and i say this so many times but it's so true they want god's help but they don't really want god they they want him to to bless them and help them and 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 do for them but but it's just one more person that they're trying to get to orbit around them my friend this is what I've learned in, in my life and I know this may sound arrogant and I promise it's not it's the, it's very humble but I'm telling you um, if if you will revolve your life around God God will revolve his life around you um, if, if <laughs> amen I'm telling you if if you will put him at the center and, and love him, and serve him, and put him first, then by you giving him that place in your life, you also put him in a position in your life to bless and prosper and promote you. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, you know, what we're, what we're talking about here, again, is such an important... Um, aspect of, of, of these things praise God um, I got about 10 minutes I want to I give you some verses tonight before um, we end um, Ephesians chapter 5 I'm going to cut away to the screen and I'm just going to go passage after passage here Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 it says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. <coughs> now, obviously, Ephesians 5 was, was um, written after Matthew 5. But let's go to Matthew 5 and 44 Matthew 5 and 44 while you're turning there I'm gonna put Ephesians 5 1 and 2 back on the screen was, he's telling us to be imitators of God as dear children to walk in love as Christ also has loved us well we know that Jesus loved us as the Father loved us and Jesus gave himself for us notice he's telling us this this word imitate here always get this image of um, a child putting his dad's shoes on, and those shoes are obviously big on his feet, but he begins to, to clomp around in them. Um, and so because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us, according to Romans 5, and is pouring out the love of God inside of us, this means that, that we can love other people as God has loved us that we can love them with with his love, um, and that you can love somebody so purely that it be the same as if Jesus himself was on this earth and and loving that individual. Um, Let's go to Matthew um, 5. Listen to Jesus here. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, these verses are covering a lot of ground here and I'm not going to try to do an exhaustive explanation of them, but... Let's go back to you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. What he's instructing us on here, Jesus is instructing us on here, is to love the way his Father loves, to love the way God loves. And, and we see that that God doesn't just love people who love him. God doesn't just do good to people who do good to him. That he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just And on the unjust, and so he's saying that we can um, rise up. Even when he talks about the tax collectors, and and he says, "If you only love those who love you, what reward uh, do you have?" That that even so, a tax collector in in Jesus's day was someone who was pretty despised. Um, They were considered to be traitors of their own people. Um, they had a, 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 again, without a, a long explanation, um, let's say the Roman government wanted to collect a certain amount from a family. Um, anything above that amount the tax collector uh, could, could collect, uh, he got to keep for himself. Um, and so not only were they considered traitors and, and, and uh, thought poorly of, Uh, they, uh, you know, um, were considered to be crooks and Jesus is saying, look, even a tax collector, um, loves those who love them, um, you know, back to that, what's in it for me kind of mindset, um, he's saying, if we're going to love like father loves, we can love as an act of our will. Notice, um, and, I, and I love this in verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He's not saying that this is what you have to do to be born again. Our, our salvation is not based upon our works. Um, what I like to think of it this way, have you ever heard the expression, a of chip off the old block? In other words, he, he's talking about Father smiling because you're, you're down here loving people like he loves them. You're not just loving people who love you. You're not just doing good to people who can do something good for you in return. You're not just saying hello to people who say hello to hello to you, but you're actually uh, taking the initiative uh, to speak to people who may not be friendly or who may be having a bad day. Um, and so he works through all these different scenarios and then he comes to this, therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now that word perfect there, Could be understood as mature or as complete and so when he says perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect he's talking about uh, a completeness he's he's talking about you um, fulfilling your purpose and your destiny as god's creation in the same way that father god has fulfilled his purpose notice again this concept of of orbiting around Uh, and uh, focusing upon. All right, so let's go back now uh, to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number uh, 22. Ephesians 1 and 22. I put it up on the screen. It says, And He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. So in verse 22, um, the He is speaking of God the Father. And when it says, and He put all things under His feet, God the Father put all things under Jesus' feet. And He gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. I want to draw your attention to um, the comma at the end of verse number 22. When it says, gave him to be head over all things to the church, the, the, verse 22 is not the end of the sentence. It's a comma, and verse 23 begins with the phrase, which is his body. So I like to, and I'll put it on the screen, it says, the church which is his body. The church which is his body. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the head, and we are his body. Now, there are those who uh, look at this and they say, well, it's just an analogy, it's, it, it's not real. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that it is a literal relationship, that we are members of the body of Christ, that Jesus is the head. Uh, by the way, that word church there is the Greek word ecclesia, and it means the called out ones. So if you've been born again, you've been called out from the world, you were once darkness, but now you're a light in the Lord, uh, according to Ephesians 5 and 8. And so um, as called out ones as the church, um, we are, in every way, the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, let me give you another passage in Ephesians 5 and 30, um, he says it this way: "For we are members of His body, of His flesh and of His." bones, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Let's go now to Acts 22, 7 and 8. Acts 22, 7 and 8. And I'll give you, uh, before we look at the verse, I'll give you a little background here. This is the Apostle Paul. Um, He was a Pharisee, originally went by the name of Saul. Um, who had an uh, encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ on his way to the city of Damascus. And he was on the way to Damascus with warrants to arrest uh, Christians, have them thrown into jail. Um, the, the Pharisee Saul believed that Christians were, um, uh, in other words, he was a Jew among Jews and he believed Christianity a threat to Judaism, that it was a false religion, and he made it his purpose in life to try to stomp it out. Um, he, for instance, held the, the coats and overcoats of the people who stoned Stephen, the first martyr to death. But Saul has this encounter with the Lord Jesus on the road um, to Damascus, and pay attention to what was said Um, I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth whom you are persecuting. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth whom you are persecuting. First of all, I want you to notice that that Saul had the correct answer. Who are you, Lord? Right? (laughs) And so, praise God, we know that Jesus identified himself. Now, why are we looking at this verse in light of the things that we've talked about tonight? Notice what Jesus said. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Well, ask yourself this question, Um, who were the individuals that Saul was persecuting? He was persecuting members of the body of Christ. He was persecuting uh, men and women who had called upon the name of the Lord, had received uh, salvation, and were now members uh, of the church, the called out ones. So when Jesus confronted Saul on the road to Damascus, Notice he didn't say, why are you harassing my followers or why are you persecuting uh, my disciples or why uh, will you not leave people along down at the local church and let them worship however they want to? Um, Jesus said, Saul, when you're persecuting uh, members of my body, you are indeed persecuting me. Why? Are you persecuting me? I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Praise God. All right, um, let's do this. Praise God. Let's, um, let's uh, pray. And um, I pray uh, tonight uh, that you have received uh, some wisdom and understanding. Uh, we've covered some pretty heavy things tonight, and I know that... Um, Uh, I'm passionate about these things and uh, I know that um, the Lord is passionate about these things and He wants you to embrace them and receive uh, the benefit of these truths and and His wisdom uh, in your life. So, amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for this time together this evening. Thank you, Lord, um, for all the people who are joining us online. Lord, receiving uh, from you tonight uh, understanding and wisdom. Father, I thank you tonight that you're helping us come to terms with what we are. You're helping us come to terms, Father, with the idea that you had a very important purpose for us and what we are was determined according to and in light of that purpose. Father, that you made us comparable to you because you wanted us to be compatible with you. And I thank you, Father, tonight that we're not shrugging away from that. We're not hiding from that any longer. We're not going to deny that any longer. But as your children, Father, we're (coughs) humbly embracing that. We're humbly receiving that truth and allowing it to become alive and active in our lives, shaping our, our minds and our thoughts and our understanding, Lord, of your worth and value. Father, thank you that you didn't just create us to receive joy from us, but you created us because you wanted us to experience the joy of participating in an eternal community together with you. Father, thank you for your great love. Thank you for your wisdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining with us tonight. If somebody is in the room with you, look at them and tell them good things coming. And um, Service tonight at 7 here at Heritage, Why Did You Doubt? Part 3. Uh, we're excited about uh, that message, amen. We'll be live and in person this Sunday morning at, um, at 10.30, enjoying communion together as we kick off 2021. And um, I believe that uh, some of the things that we've dealt with and endured and stood uh, and withstood uh, during 2020 has prepared us for the harvest year that 2021 will be. And um, we are excited about it and know that you are as well. So, either online or in person, we'd love for you to be with us on Sunday. And um, we're believing we're going to get 2021 started off in a very powerful way. Amen. You be blessed tonight.